the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island peoples today. Welcome to Totally Lit, the podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host, Kai Garvey. Thank you for listening. I've got a wonderful guest for you this episode, um, the amazing Dominician Gennari. He is an author, musician and researcher. His clear and sovereign message is truth and right action in the living moment. Dominician's mythical stories are founded in ethics, right action and truth in the hope to awaken humanity from the established deceptions of our current times. Having spent over two years working alongside a renowned Hollywood producer and a renowned Hollywood scriptwriter, Dominician garnered invaluable knowledge of screencraft and storytelling. Guided by fantasy author and genius David Farland, Dominician is set to expand his grand mythology, The War for Ascension, into a multi-book and novella opus, along with an accompanying album of epic instrumental music through his music project called Arc of Light. Dominician is also a highly trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor and a BJJ national champion. He currently lives in Melbourne, Australia. I hope you enjoy our chat. Dominician Gennari, welcome to Totally Lit. Thanks for having me. What a great opportunity this is to chat, catch up, and um, let you know about all things The War for Ascension. (laughs) I'm very excited. Um, The War of Ascension, A Crisis Reborn, it's available this month on the 19th of August. Can you tell me about the book? Yeah, sure. So uh, basically... You know, the book follows the story of a young couple uh, without giving too much away. Um, this young couple, it's, it's a, a hero's journey. It's a quest, but it's also a, um, a, a story that evolves around young people coming into their own, understanding who they are, what they need to do, the challenges of their world at, at that point in time, and how their past actions have, have directly affected the future reality. So... Uh, with a theme of reincarnation, I, I will throw that in for you there. So it's a it's a special book when it comes to just those themes. Uh, I don't see a lot of the reincarnation themes in in a lot of stories. So for the War for Ascension, A Crisis Reborn, you know, it has that as a main theme going through the whole story, and it's so amazing how it 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 sort of mirrors what we experience in our world. You know, there's a, an action. And then there's a, a consequence, there's a cause, and then there's an effect. So make sure the cause is a good one yep. <laughs> or else you'll just be spending time fixing the bad cause. Mm. So uh, that's in a nutshell, that's basically, yeah, the story. And um, I think people will really get into it this time around. So it's um, a fantasy sci-fi genre, is that right? Yeah, so it's fantasy. So it's a fantasy story, but it does have, because you have that, that sci-fi element, you know, there's, there's, um, uh, elements of that intergalactic, interplanetary, uh, talk. There's aeronautical reposition chambers, which are called ARCs, A-R-C. Uh, and it does fringe on the sci-fi border, mm-hmm. but as a, as a story, I believe it is fantasy. Um, dressed with window dressings of sci-fi. <laughs> and it's going to be part of a series. How many books will there be in the series? 
Correct. So the, the main books, there will be three. But what I've done, I, I try to understand what I would want when I read my favorite authors and they, they release three or four books. The thing that I would want is I would want, okay, those three, four books, but I want to know what happens to this person. I want to know what happened between that time, between these books. So what I've done, what I've gone ahead and done, um, with the help of David Farland, who is, we can chat about a little later on, That's the exciting. genius. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, is, is get to a point where I can have novellas, so shorter stories, maybe 25 to 40,000 words, that tie in um, the stories in, in The War for Ascension and about the character background, something some things that I can't necessarily fit into a, a, a novel because the novel would be that wide. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so three main books, mm-hmm. and I would probably say in between those books, maybe two per book, so possibly nine or ten books all up, depending on how far I want to take it. And then I can just expand the, the mythology really from there. And you, you have created a rich mythology and really – a universe for your readers. How long did it take for you to work on constructing that universe? Has it been a long time coming? That's a very, very good question. And I was asked that recently as well. Uh, world building is one of those things where it's it's a work in progress and it's an ongoing pursuit. However, if I was to put a time frame on building my world, I would probably say the core elements of my world we're probably looking at about four or five years only because the world was created probably within a year, 12 months, but it's adding to that world, making that world more interesting as authors you know, we have to make sure that the world is, um, you know, David Farland always spoke about make your world interesting. Don't make it like downtown Melbourne CBD, make it on a, a, a beautiful Island that has, a dangerous underground cave system or, you know, there's a, um, a monument there that's haunted or – so what I've done was adding to that that mythology and piecing it all together. That's what took the time. So I dare say that sort of five-year mark roughly is is how long it took to, to make it cohesive and to make it feel good. Mm. And you've also created an album to go with the book called it's the arc of light project how did that come about well uh, i'll have you know previous to my career as an author uh, i was dabbling a lot in music mm. i performed in multiple rock and metal bands arc of light is actually my industrial metal band so i've created this band that uh you know piecing my favorite elements of music i like uh, heavy metal music i like electronic music and i love that big sound score, that that epic sound score with orchestra, with choirs. So uh, Arc of Light is, is, is a completely separate project. However, for the book series, I thought, you know what? Why don't I use this other skill mm-hmm. and, and adapt the, the War for Ascension with music? Because I find that a lot of my fans from Arc of Light, they're actually fantasy book fans. Right, okay. It, it's, it's amazing how that, that doubles up. Some of them, absolutely not. They don't, mm-hmm. not interested. They, they say, oh, if you have an audiobook, I'll, I'll think about it. Yep. But um, a lot of them love fantasy and sci-fi. They love Marvel Universe. They love The Lord of the Rings. They love Harry Potter. They love all these stories. So the epic instrumental music will be uh, produced by Arc of Light, by me, but it'll be just instrumental music. It won't be music with you know lyrics mm-hmm. and heavy metal guitars. 
for the most part, it'll be a bit more theatrical and and complement the chapters and the story of my of my book. So, and I can't wait. I'm I don't know if I'm more excited about the music than the book. <laughs> you and know. do you think? Do you imagine? Or is it the intention for people to read along and listen at the same time, like to create a bit of an experience? Sure. Well, I'm working on another part of, of The War for Ascension, which is more of a theatrical audio book. I know companies like Audible don't like that. You can't do it. So I don't think I'm going to be able to do it through there. Maybe I'll have just the narrated version. But I've got some in- incredible software that I've been playing with and toying with and having an, an audio book that has very sparse, so it's not distracting, sounds. And maybe at the start of each chapter, you have a bit of a swell of, you know, a, a string section or – and it's so effective and I've had a lot of great feedback for that. But if people wanted to have the music for the books, that would be something you can go to the gym with. That would be something you can get inspired to read with. Some people like – having that music on uh, reading to. I personally can't have music or I can have music on, but nothing with vocals or lyrics because I find that's very distractive. If I'm reading a sentence and then there's lyrics in the background, it it, it confuses me, but some people can do it. Mm. It's remarkable. I um, often have, I'll be listening to like a podcast while I'm working and because I'm so focused on my work, I will, my brain just blocks out the podcast. Wow. Um, yeah. And I have to rewind and go back. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, difficult, though, because I'm trying – I like to do many things at once. <laughs> it doesn't oh, yeah. work for me. Our brains don't always let us do what we want them to do. Okay, and I also checked out your YouTube series as well, Forbidden Origins. Um, so you do a lot of research into the, I guess, the – hidden world and the unknown um has that research contributed to your book in a profound way um i guess without using too many uh, triggering words or triggered words i guess i had my own realization and my own awakening uh, at a certain time between that 2010 to probably even earlier 2007 to 2015 and I saw a lot about the world and I discovered a lot about the world that was, in my opinion, is, um, and I don't believe you need to be a scientist to have an opinion, just like you don't need to be a, a Golden Gloves champion boxer to have an opinion in a boxing match. You're a human in this world, you have an opinion. So I, it's my opinion that the truth is, in, in fact, very strange and, in fact, stranger than fiction. Some of the uh, truths that I've been, um, you know, that I've been shown and that I've experienced myself through working with and, and learning from a former FBI agent, um, studying with Dr. Michael Sala, um, uh, who's the, one of the producers and one of the um, guests on the Ancient Alien series on oh, the History yes, Channel. Yep. Yeah, uh, and learning, and, and it's interesting because it's not the information isn't some post on on um, Facebook. It's actually peer-reviewed science. Mm. So if people want to throw a lot of the, oh, it's conjecture, it's a bit conspiratorial. Well, no, mate, it's actually not. This is the scientific journal. This is the research. This is the footage. You know, use your own discernment and um, you discover what you need to. The one big thing that, that really, really um, changed me was, I don't know if you know, but they discovered a site in um, eastern Anatolia, Turkey, called Gobekli Tepe, right? No. Now, that's believed to be... Very, very old. Pre, it's antediluvian, which means pre-flood. 
Mm-hmm. So we're talking anywhere from you know nine to thirteen thousand years ago. Well, according to modern day academia, um, the oldest civilization we go to Sumeria and then we go to Egypt, and that's pretty much where it stops. Right? This is way further back, and it's it's incontrovertible. It's not they're they're you know dating with all the proper technology. So just that one site got sent me on a huge uh, you know investigation. And what beautiful knowledge to have and what amazing knowledge to have for a book to be able to use some of that and implement that into a fiction story so people can digest it a little easier. But a lot of the stuff I talk about in my book, a lot of those elements are, are based on reality to some degree. So, yeah, that's that's what I did through the um, Forbidden Origins series, and I hope people watch it and like it and check it out. It's definitely worth it. Very conf- confronting in some areas, I understand. But if people can allow that little part inside their brain for possibilities, still keep all the knowledge you have, it got you to where you are now, but have just this little folder inside your brain called possibilities. This could be possible. That could be possible. And watch the world open up for you. Mm. I, I love mystery and myth and legend and all those questions around about the world that are unanswered, but there are some times where I'm like, oh, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Um, and then I'm like, oh, come on, don't be silly. Um, so I'm probably a little bit of a skeptic, but I do have like a real quest for knowledge and a real, um, I want to know the truths about the world. Um, although recently, um, I don't know if you know about the, um, the Somerton man that they recently, um, discovered who he was, um, the man that was found on the um, South Australian beach many mm. years ago. And there's a heap of podcasts about him. And now they've found out he's just an ordinary man, whereas it was suspected that he might be a spy or something like that. And so I'm a little ah, bit disappointed right. at the outcome when the reality is actually found out. And I'm like, oh, I was hoping he, he really was um, a spy because um, they didn't know his name. And they, they couldn't figure out the mystery of why he was there, but he died on, on a beach um, in South Australia. And um, they did some DNA testing recently um, and have discovered who he is. Um, mm. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a bit of a letdown now we know the answer. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm happier in the quest or in, in the knowledge, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I totally, totally understand it. And we'll find a lot of that happening anyway because some things are explained. Um, but there are other things that are incontrovertible. And when you start unpacking without going down any rabbit holes, when you start unpacking the um, organizations in charge of controlling and curating the knowledge, it starts getting very questionable with certain mm-hmm. things, not everything. Yeah. Um, but it's great that, yeah, you, you at least, you know, yeah, healthy skepticism is always a smart way. And, um, you know, I hope you can explore more and discover more, you know. Uh, it makes it a little bit difficult to believe in magic, though, when you're a skeptic, because you really want it to be real. Yeah. <laughs> but then the yeah. other part of you is like, oh, come on, really? Yeah. Where's the proof? Um, and I think that's the part of magic or faith or those things mm. that are part of the unknown is that, yeah, you're never going to see the proof, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear, I hear you loud and clear, yeah. Now, you're self-publishing these books under your own imprint. Do you want to tell me about how that process was about doing that yourself? Yeah, sure. So effectively, um, it depends what what you want to go for. And me being the type of person that I am, 
I've always been a little bit of a lone wolf in, in some regards. So I wanted to, yeah, you know, get to a point where my writing was at that level that I know, okay, that box is ticked. So I don't need to prove to a publisher, to an agent or anyone or to a manager that I can do a job. I, I've proven that. And I have David Farland, the genius who has, you know, guided me through that process. So it was very easy for me to set up the Star Rise publications, my, my imprint. As simple as, you know, registering uh, the company, um, you know, having, um, you know, the, the, uh, a lot of the logos and everything done and making sure that that is a part of your process when you're releasing. You know, people hide their, their, their emblems and logos. Don't do that. Put it out for everyone to see, uh, especially and, and, and take some time to, to get that right. So it was as simple as that, just getting um, the pa- a page set up for it, getting it registered. And um, making sure it is on all my dissemination material and and telling people, look, this is who I am. That's 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 what I am. So a great way to to, um, you know, kickstart your self-publishing career, I guess. Yeah. And you've worked with David Farland. He's been a bit of a mentor to you. Is that right? Yeah. Tell me um, about that experience. Definitely. So um, prior to working with David Farland, just to, to go through the process so it makes sense for the listeners and I effectively I was doing a book to script um, uh, project you could say with uh, within Hollywood and I was working with some you know uh, incredibly um, out there and higher producers and script writers you could say uh, working on all the major sci-fi fantasy movies Netflix series you name it so I was I sat among them for almost three years learned how to write treatments Learned how to um, what what you know uh, uh, how a pilot is created, what the um, how how to green light a project, what they look for. I learned a tremendous amount of information. It was almost an overload because you know when you're working on a book, a lot of description, a lot of information. You've got to, you know the milieu, setting the scene um, in media is getting the book so it's really spot on in all these areas. Well, you have a, a completely different set of challenges when you're doing book to script and you're doing a film or you're doing TV series. Anyhow, um, that sort of went a little pear-shaped, <laughs> you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and there's reasons why, and we can have, have a discussion about that at some other time, but the, the crux of that, um, I felt sort of broken and damaged after that. I was really hoping for something to be different, especially in 2000 and I think back then, what, 2020, 2019, mm-hmm. I was really hoping that things were different and we can, you know, make things different and not keep making Spider-Man 14 and Batman mm-hmm. 37 and yeah. maybe we could change it. But no, the, the world is, uh, the industry is not ready for that yet. So with my head in my hands, with my bank account almost drained. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, very bad. A door opened. And behind that, and you know, um, within that door was uh, was this shining light, and his name is David Farland. And this man, I tell you, this guy is is such an incredible human. He has done, and I don't know if, if your listeners know, David has done more for fantasy authors and the fantasy genre in general than I think. I don't know anyone else who's done what David has done. In, I mean. We wouldn't have had uh, Harry Potter books in America. Mm. Uh, he actually bought them out. He actually convinced the editors, the publication house in the US, uh, that they need to get this lady named J.K. Rowling 
They need to get her books mm. and they need to get them now because this is going to be huge. We wouldn't have had her. Yeah. We wouldn't have had Stephanie Mayer. Mm-hmm. She went through the uh, Brigham Young program at Brigham Young, Brigham Young University. Yep. Uh, we wouldn't have had Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have had Patrick Rothfuss. We wouldn't have had – I can literally give you a page, five pages of people that he has brought into the spotlight. And he was one of the first people to um, – you know, the, the Jurassic Park movies mm. – he was working on ideas back in the mid '80s for uh, you know a dinosaur being created from a you know insect um, yep. <laughs> you know insect extracted blood. He was he was onto that before Spielberg was and before Michael Crichton was. So, and he was one of the first scripts that came through, but it was rejected back in the mid '80s because they thought it was a stupid idea. <laughs> Obviously, it's not a stupid idea. So, so even yeah. he has had rejection. <laughs> oh yeah, like you wouldn't believe. But the beautiful thing is, is as I, I fell into David's hands and David resurrected me. He really did. I, I was an inch away from burning every uh, manuscript. I was so deflated as a human. Like I just felt like my soul had been destroyed in a lot of ways. And he helped. He, he brought me back to life, slapped me in the face, yeah. said, wake up, man. Um, you can do this. You, you, you have everything you need. We're going to get you on, back on track. There's things you need to, to fix. We've yeah. got to fix things. You're not doing certain things right. But we're going to get them right because the basic idea and what you do is good and people are going to love them. And that's what what David did. And I ended up being nurtured by the Apex Writers team. So I, you know, worked with Diane T. Reid, September Forks. I just introduced to all these wonderful people in Salt Lake City, Utah. And that's my crew. That's my team. I'm an Aussie Mm -hmm. working with a small team over in, in Salt Lake City because it's it's there's such a trust and a bond there. I know they've got my back and they're going to make sure that everything I, I write and release mm. will be of that at least that level. Not everyone's going to like it. Some people are going to hate what I do. I get that, but at least I know I've ticked that main box yeah. and I it's subjective after that. Mm. So Well you have to you write go. what is you, I think. Like you can't pretend to be something you're not. Like you need to have authenticity in your writing so if that is you you're giving the best version of yourself to your readers I think Um, so Mm. sometimes you can't think about oh I need to make this for what people like I need to write who I am and find and find my readers you know yeah Um, but I think that there's a, a strong fantasy market there's definitely readers out there that will enjoy your work Okay, so now I've got a, a few quick questions that I ask all of my guests that just <laughs> lets your our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Did you have a favourite book growing up? Oh, that's a really good question. I, just so people know, I, I, I read a lot more non-fiction than I do fiction books. So, I mean, the one that sticks out to me in my heart is probably going to be Tolkien's works. Mm-hmm. So Tolkien's Legendarium for me. Um, that man was a, a, a very um, – he, he touched on points that really resonate with me and it just turns out that hundreds of millions of people around the world are probably the same. Um, so he really, really did um, something very unique to me. But outside of that, there were other books that were profound. So, you know, you've got books like The Chariots of the Gods by Eric von Däniken. You've got, um, you know, uh, th- there are a lot of books in that sort of esoteric world as well that mm. I've discovered – back then that were very, very influential. And when I was reading them, like, you know, when, when you can't put something down, 
it's four in the morning and you're still reading it. Yep. That's, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I would say those two are a very big influence and inspiration to me. Very big. And if you could be any book character, who would it be? <laughs> any book character? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Where would I begin? It would probably... It would probably have to be, once again, I'll go back to the, the Tolkien's Legendarium. If I could go and be a character, I probably would have liked to have been Calabrimbor, but mm-hmm. do things a little differently. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe change the outcome of the whole, the whole story. So, uh, but he would be a, a cool character to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is there anything that you're reading right now, um, fiction or nonfiction? Yeah, for sure. So at the moment, I'm reading a book by um, uh, Radu Chinema, which is um, a series of books. Now, it's a nonfiction book. It's about a discovery that was made in the Buchechi Mountains inside of um, the southern uh, tip of the Transylvanian Mountains mm-hmm. in Buchechi, Romania. Yep. So they discovered a chamber that's 50,000 years old inside the mountain. And... Um, I won't give too much of it away, but it is mind-blowing. If even 1% of this book is half true, mm. then once again, the history, it just stuff just keeps getting older. Um, this, this chamber was discovered from a satellite um, okay. in orbit. Mm. And that was showing this beautiful dome, this perfect dome, and perfect domes shouldn't be inside a mountain. So I've been reading that series, and it's um it's it's pretty full on, and I've been absolutely loving it. I'm into I think there's five or six books, so I think I'm up to number four at the moment. Um, Radu Chinema, and um it's called Transylvanian Sunrise. That's the first okay. one. I might check yeah. that out. Yes. Do you have any advice that you would have given yourself if you could go back to the beginning of your writing journey? Yeah, definitely. So. With writing, and, and David David Farland explained this to me, that the writing, um, the the standard is, is constantly moving and changing as far as um, what, you know, how, how to write a book. How do you write a book? Okay, I've got an idea, I've got a story, but what do I need to do to make that so that it's people will want to read it and it's accepted? Mm-hmm. So that, that sort of wavers and changes, not entirely, but there's a percentage of it that moves, it's fluid. So the biggest thing that I would have told myself back in the day was know that so and find uh, the group that will allow you to learn how to adapt to that process so that you're not constantly chasing this thing that never ever has an end you're constantly chasing this idea that's a huge piece of information if anyone's going to take anything take that because if you understand that part then you can get the really good foundations to build your story whether it's fantasy sci-fi or even a non-fiction book Get that in place and then get with a group of people. I found Apex Writers and David Farland mm-hmm. to help you to, to make your story fit with that sort of framework. And after that, you'll find that there's just this, this warmth that you have inside of you with that piece of knowledge. So understand the process and how to work with that process. Huge information. If I had that 10 years ago, I may not have been in this situation, but everything happens for a reason, I guess. Mm. And do you think with your imprint, you will look at um, publishing other authors' works or are you um, just going to look at publishing your own work? Good question. Um, It's definitely a possibility because I've, you know, once again, after working inside Hollywood for almost three years, 
I've seen how rights work, how publishing works and having to deal with literary agents and agencies. And mm. I personally think that um, the traditional publishers are sort of on their way out. I know that's a big call and people would cordially disagree with me, but I'm just standing back and looking at it. I've run successful businesses in real estate in the past and I've seen trends flow with the advent of, you know, um, Ingram Spark, uh, Amazon, all the information, especially people, good people like you that are having authors on and explaining these things. I'm slowly seeing that that machine, that, that dinosaur, I like to call it, slowly dwindling and fading out unless they change and do something soon. Mm. Just like the music industry, it's going to change and yeah. the power is going to shift into our hands. So I, I would love at some point to be able to help other authors mm. that are struggling, that had the same struggles and help them, you know, get to a point where A, their writing is really good, the best that they can do, and then have a shot with actually releasing it and giving it the best they can um, and understanding how to get that knowledge out to people as well. Yeah. How, do you, how do you succeed in a, a market that's saturated? It's hard. It's definitely a difficult market yeah. to get published, although my first book is a picture book and that's traditionally published, but I think there is also a place for self-publishing as well. I think it just depends. I, I just wanted that traditional I wanted that letter or email mm. saying you've been published so that was that was what yeah. I wanted so I feel happy with that but I wouldn't rule out self-publishing in the future as a um, even just as an interesting exercise to learn the process now mm. I I originally met you at the rainforest writers retreat where you were delivering a workshop that was about how to put action in your writing and that yeah. was quite a physical workshop because you did demonstrate it to us mm. and that's um, from your background in martial arts are, are you yeah. still delivering workshops and speaking in that way good question I, I plan to do more because that was such a fun time even for me to do that for all of you and for Charmaine Clancy and the uh, Rainforest Writers Retreat it was such a fun time and, and it's you know what for anything if you just if you were inspired by, by just the gross motor skills, the actions, it, it's great to have someone in front of you demonstrating certain mm. things. Even if you don't use any of it or your writing is not really you know, action-based, just to have someone physically move movement. Because as authors, what do we do? We hold our book and we're, we're in a stationary position and it's just beautiful to have something that's not a screen mm. and not a Hollywood production in front of you, someone talking in real time. I'd love to do a lot more of that and I think – we need more of this in writing because if we have more people sharing their skills, if they're a musician or um, we had this one musician uh, um, in one of the Apex conferences, he came in and this guy had opened up for Toto, uh, the band, wow. the 80s band Toto. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool, right? He brought his guitar on and he, he talked about writing, but he played for us and it was incredible. His voice was beautiful and what he was saying was so – it gave me goosebumps. So mm. I wrote some notes just – by listening to this guy yep. play over a Zoom call. Mm. And it's very powerful doing that. So I hope uh, we can do, I can do more of that. I think as people start to learn who I am, mm. what I've done, you know, the, the, the momentum builds up and I can move forward with doing more of that kind of work. Definitely. Now, if people would like to purchase your book, where, where can they go to find it? Definitely. So um, I have obviously uh, dominationgenari.com. You can go to straight to my website, 
all of those links are available to purchase through the various different types of stores. I've got a, a link that basically allows you to buy from anywhere, mm. Amazon, um, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, the whole lot. Or if you type in my name into Amazon, it will come up straight away. If you type in the War for Ascension for some bizarre reason, at the moment it's it's not you know triggering mm. the algorithm, so it's not coming up. But my author name comes up straight away on the first Great. search. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so that's – can it be pre-ordered or do we need to wait till the 19th? Definitely. All, all pre-orders are available now. Uh, if you want a certain type of um, a book, I think you might need to wait for that that time, that 19th. Okay. But I, I believe that Ingram Spark, through Ingram Spark and um, Book 2, my Book 2 link, that allows you to pre-order hardcover, softcover, or if I'm going to be running some cool uh, – Things and promotions on my end that I, you know, be doing like my own hardcover version of the book. Oh, that looks um, amazing! Yeah, it came out really good. And look, there's even a even a photo of me in here. Here we go. <laughs> You're looking yeah. very serious, though. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> listeners, that you can't see this. But... Yeah, you know, I'm an author. I've got to put on the author hat. I've got to look a bit more, you know, well to do in instead of me in my sweaty jujitsu kimono. So. Um, might run some, you know, some packages with that, some starter packs, doing like, uh, you know, uh, bookmarks and T-shirts, and having something a bit more special with a, a map in it. And so I'm running those, and they'll be all done through my website. But yep. if you want to go through all the standard channels that you purchase books, it's available pretty much everywhere. Fantastic. So, so I'll, I'll also yeah. put um, your website in our show notes and include yeah. it on the social media so people will be able to access it easily after listening to the episode. Um, and really, my only other question is what's next mm. for you? Will it be War of Ascension for quite a while or do you think you'll be branching in other directions? Yeah, very good question. So um, it, as you know, uh, it, it, you, you embark on this journey to create a book. It's a tremendous amount of work. It is, it's sometimes I feel it's almost like a gross misdirection of time to write a a, a fantasy book. It's Mm. so, so big. It's, it's really, if you look at it, I make so much more money being in real estate, writing books for the moment. It was a real big challenge money wise, getting it off the ground. But I would like to stick within this mythology for the moment, Mm -hmm. uh, stay within it. And as I said, add, adding those novellas, those smaller reads. And get people that don't read into the story. So a lot of people are just that I know in my circles, they're not big readers. But if you give them a book that's easy to read, that's shorter, provide an audiobook version, yep. then, yeah, that's a huge win for me. So I'll focus on developing my, my mythology and legendarium within that sphere. Will I go off and write a pure sci-fi space opera or – I don't know. At this stage, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Um a non-fiction book, possibly. That might be a thing as well. But we have to wait and see. Very exciting. Who knows what will be next. But thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your book with us. No, no worries. Thank you, Dom. No worries. You're welcome. Great to have uh, had this conversation. And, yeah, reach out. Anyone who wants to reach out, reach out through my website. Get a free starter pack. Uh, it gives you the theme song. It gives you four free chapters, a whole bunch of other cool stuff. It's for free. You don't have to pay anything. So just reach out. Thank you. No worries. Writing stories for children can seem like a very simple task, but there is a skill involved in bringing memorable characters and their worlds to life. 
Anyone can write a picture book, but not everyone can write a picture book that becomes a child's favourite bedtime story. The best children's picture books fire up their imaginations, evoke emotion, and stay within their memories forever. Authors Online was created to provide aspiring authors the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to become a published children's book author. Our extensive industry knowledge will be shared with you and provide you with the basic principles behind writing for children, picture book publishing guidelines, and updates on the current market and publishing environment. And as a special offer for Totally Lit listeners, if you go to authorsonline.com.au, you can apply the discount code of LIT20, that's lit two zero to access discount content at authorsonline.com.au. Totally Lit is an independent podcast. You can help support us to continue to chat with wonderful Australian creatives by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing our socials with your friends. You can also make a contribution at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash totally lit. This will also help with equipment and podcasting platform fees. I love to interact with my listeners, so feel free to say hello either by email or social media. You can email me at totallylitpodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. I've also recently created a group on Facebook called Totally Lit Writing Community. It's a space to continue the conversation and share your writing successes, events, launches and latest projects. Jump onto the group and say hello. Thank you for listening to Totally Lit and don't forget to go out into the world to read, write, create, ignite.